ask him to work and bless where he works. Amen. Amen. Let us go to the Lord. Also, be praying for our church family. Uh, we, we we are in need of prayer, right? Oh, Every yeah. day. Every one yeah. of us. So, yeah. Father God, we, we are delighted to come before your throne. Father, and we are eager to come before your throne, Father. We are fully assured in faith that you hear us, Father, and that you, as you hear us, you work according to your, your will through our prayers. Father, you said that man ought to always pray. And Father, we thank you for that exhortation, and we thank you for the opportunity to bring before you our petitions to make our requests known unto you, Father. Lord, we do pray for our sisters, Dolores and Kim, Father, the, the conditions that they're in. You know, you, you see them, you walk with them, Father, and I pray that you would speak into their situations, into their lives. Father, I pray that you would work um, and heal where healing is needed. Father, I pray that you would give peace and rest and comfort where these are needed. Father, I just pray that th these situations will work out to your glory. I pray that Kim would receive the medical help she needs that she has been refused. Father, we pray for uh, wisdom. We pray for um, the power of the sound mind for her family, for her caretakers, for the uh, physicians that are charged with working on her. Lord, we, kn we know that... Uh, you guide even the hands of the medical professionals, Father. We just pray that you would uh, work in that situation. Father, we pray for our sister Dolores. And we just ask that you would give strength to her mortal body as she, uh, as she lives for you. We pray that you would give her strength that she could be here with us. Father, we pray that she would be blessed with the peace of your presence as uh, she is at home. We pray that uh, she would feel closer to you now than ever, Father. And, Lord, we do pray for Pete as he goes in for his back surgery, Father. I pray that you would give wisdom to the staff that will be attending him. I pray that you give him peace about this surgery. I pray that all goes well to your glory and his good, Father. I do pray now for our church family, Father, as we... Um, are, we are hanging on and it seems that in many ways we are fractured but father we know that you are moving pieces around you're uh, shaping the way that we think the way that we walk together you're using your spirit and your word and our prayers to do that father so it is our earnest prayer tonight that you would continue to shape and to fashion us in the way that you would have us as a congregation that we, you would continue to work in the hearts and the lives of the people that are here to form a Godly fellowship and a holy habitation for God. Father, we ask it in Christ's name. I ask your, your blessing on the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word tonight. Ask it all to your glory in your son's name. Amen. All right. So, had to get that out of the way because I always forget to ask for prayer requests because that's just me. I'm forgetful. I forgot to tie my shoes, and I don't have no laces on. So, uh, but uh, it's good to see you guys out here tonight. As Kevin says, we're few, but we're proud, right? We're here. Uh, we trust that the ones that are here that uh, God had this message for would be here to hear it. We pray that people would hear it and that it would be received. For what it is, the Word of God. I, it is my earnest prayer every time that I stand up before you that it would be known that what I preach, I am just as much in need of as those who I preach to. We all are in need of the grace of God. Um, if any man says that he has no sin, he has made God a liar and the truth is not in him. So I, I, I want that to be understood. That when I am up here preaching, because this is what we're dealing with tonight, we're dealing with the topic of sin, slavery to sin specifically, and many times when 
we deal with these heavy topics, uh, Kevin can attest to it. It is often as though people think that we are excluding ourselves from these exhortations. And we sometimes, we catch a third degree because people think we are just coming down on them. And we are not. But as a minister of the gospel, I am constrained to preach what the word of God says. I am under obligation to tell you what the word of Christ commands you to do. I am commanded to preach the grace of Christ, but I am also commanded to preach his exhortations with an earnest warning to heed them. We cannot downplay sin. We cannot uh, ignore the topic of sin because doing so has led to this anemic state of the church. We don't know how, how to deal with sin when it comes into our lives, even as born-again Christians. We talked about this morning that the, that the Christian is in a war against the world and the flesh and the devil. And the world and the flesh and the devil never take a day off. So if we take a day off in the battle against sin, against the world, the flesh and the devil, guess what? You lose. Because they don't take a day off. So if you take a day off of waging warfare, of doing battle against sin, you lose. And it's a battle that we don't have to lose. Amen? It's a battle that we don't have to lose. And so I, I just wanted to say that because I know when we preach these messages sometimes, it can seem like I'm up here telling you what you ought to do because I'm just doing it so well. Right. And most of the time, that is, that is absolutely not the case. Right. I, you know, I'm just a you know, beggar telling other beggars where to find bread, right? That's right. That's right. So, um, so I just wanted to make that clarification. But nevertheless, it's in God, God's word. It's important that I speak it. And, if, and because I love each of you, I am speaking the truth tonight in love that we may know how to battle, that we may know what our problem is. And so uh, if I had to title tonight, I would just say uh, the, the problem of man or the plight of man. This is the problem of every man. It is a sin. And if you had your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and I know this is probably the second time that you will hear this, this message because uh, Pastor Kevin just dealt with John chapter 8 here probably three or four weeks ago with John chapter 8 for him. But I, I want to uh, break it down. I really want to deal with uh, verses 31 through 47. And we're dealing with the topic of sin. Uh, the problem of man, the plight of man specifically, is this slavery to sin. So let's read our text tonight, and then um, I want to expound on it just a little bit. Uh, yes, um, the plight of man. The problem of man. Um, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him and said, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, 
because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard from of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth the words of God. Ye therefore hear him not, because ye are not of God. Now, it, 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 it's a rather long passage, but the message that I want to get to tonight is very simple. And it's because I see a problem when sin is addressed from behind this pulpit or any other pulpit, there is always uh, talking going on elsewhere about what is being said. This message of sin, this problem of slavery, uh, slavery of sin. Jesus said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the answer that the these Jews, the Jews that were uh, that believed on him, that, that believed that he, and that's an important point in here. They believed who, that he was who he said he was. The, the Jews that believed on him, he said to them, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin." So there's this problem about slavery to sin and it, it is one of the most underplayed things there ever was. When we get into conversations about sin, when we get into conver conversations about the will of man and what the man wants to do and what God requires of man and what the law of God is and all these sorts of things, this seems to get tossed by the wayside. Oh, yeah. This truth that Jesus is pointing out here, that whoever sins is the servant of sin. It's, it's actually a very big deal. Uh, it's a very big, th those little words, whoever committeth sin is a servant of sin, is the story of man since the fall. Ever since Adam fell, we all know Genesis uh, Genesis 3, you know, Eve brought them fruit. They ate of the fruit which God commanded them not to eat, ate of the tree that God had commanded them not to eat, and they fell because they transgressed against the law of God. God had given them this rule, this command, this moral ought in a sense that they ought not do. You ought not eat of that tree. You shall not eat of that tree, but every other tree... I have given you the aid of the tree, and they fell into sin. They disobeyed God and plunged the entire human race into sin. And ever since then, man has been dealing with this slavery to sin. The problem comes when we confront those who are caught in sin. They are just, they are doing what they want to do. And they believe that these desires that they have, these sinful desires even, are natural. 
that this is just the way I am. Um, it, it's, a, it's a defense for just about any sin under the sun. The, 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 the one that I can think of the most is homosexuality. How many of us have encountered that sin in a uh, friend or family member, you know, a, a colleague, and they say, well, you know, if, if God hated this sin, then why did he make me this way? Right, right. Because they assume that, um, you know, God created them to be this way, but then, so they would see the word of God as contradictory. Uh, they would say that the word of God is contradictory because, well, they say that this is the natural desire. This is, I was born this way, and um, God's calling it sin. So if he didn't want me to be a sinner, he wouldn't have made me this way. And they try to push their, the responsibility for their sin back on God. But they don't realize the problem they have. They think that they are free. Yeah, they, they think that they are free. As long as I am doing what I want, I am free. That was very much akin to what these Jews were saying. The context uh, that we find ourselves in tonight with this text is uh, Jesus has just got through telling these people that he speaks for the Father. He says, ye are from beneath, and I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then they said unto him, who art thou? And Jesus said, saith unto them, even the same that I have said to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then Jesus said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that hath sent me is with me. The Father hath not let me alone, for I always do those things which please him. As he spake this word, many believed on him. Many believed what he was saying was true. Nevertheless, they doubted, or at the very least, they were confused by his statement about slavery to sin. They were very confused by this. And we often are too when we are confronted with our sin, when, we are, when anybody is confronted with sin or, um, or the topic of sin gets brought up and you start talking about slavery to, to sin, or especially if you start talking about the law of God and what God expects of his people, we get this reply to, or we get this attitude coming towards us that this is just so oppressive. You know, I thought, I thought being in Christ meant freedom. And everybody wants freedom to do what they want to do. But just as Jesus was saying to these Jews, you're enslaved. The people who are committing sin... When, when we commit sin, we fail to understand that it is our slavery to it that is causing us to do these things. They fail to see that sin is a problem which we need redeemed from. When the angel came and proclaimed the birth of Christ to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, Verse 21, he says, And you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. Redemption from sin is the purpose for which Christ came. 
righteousness, is, as we talked about this morning, is revealed in the law. But yet when you speak to Christians today about these moral oughts that God has in place for us, this moral law, the things that we shouldn't do as Christians, or the things that we should do as Christians, it's as we are putting a heavy yoke upon their necks to walk in a way that they don't want to walk. Like it's contrary to their nature. That is not true of the born-again person. It should not be. People don't understand their slavery to sin. Jesus said, if ye continue in my words, then are you, ye my disciples. As Christians, born again, baptized, baptized, members of the family of God, we are to be Christ's disciples. And notice here, he says that this is conditional. That anytime we see the word if in scripture, that is a conditional um, that is a conditional statement. And that's just a general truth. If you know, if you tell your children, well, if you clean your room, then you can have this. It, you know, if you do your homework, then you can have this. It's a conditional statement. So we ought not be afraid as Christians when Scripture makes demands of us. These should not be oppressive. Do we remember uh, what we talked about this morning? And Phil, I know you weren't here, but uh, our, our morning uh, worship, we always start off with the catechism. And this morning in our catechism time, we talked about the first, uh, or the preface to the Ten Commandments. What, uh, what God said uh, to Moses before he ever gave any one of the commandments he said, I am the Lord your God who has brought you up out of the land of Egypt and delivered you out of the house of bondage. He rooted the law that he was getting ready to give them in the redemption that he had already performed by delivering them from slavery. It's very much the same way for Christians as it was for the old covenant people of God. We are expected to live this way to read this book, to believe what it says, and to live by it because we have been delivered from a great bondage. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. To be a sinner, to be without Christ, and to be complicit, or complacent in sin, be happy where you are, sinning is slavery. You need set free from that. Jesus says, so if you continue in my words, you're my disciples. This is a condition, but it is rooted in grace. We are his disciples. We belong to him. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A lot of times I know that to Christians, especially those who are so concerned with hanging on to these things that the Word of God calls sin, and there are those, I know it sounds crazy, but there, it, ha it happens to all of us. We have these things in our life that we either don't want to let go or we have too much pride to realize that it's a problem that we face and we hang on to these things. We hold things back from God as though we can either we can fight them on our own or we can't fight them on our own so we just don't need to fight them at all. We are in slavery. We are in bondage to sin prior to Christ. As I'm, I'm speaking as uh, in a human sense, the mass of humanity entirely prior to redemption was enslaved to sin, right? Uh, um, Ephesians chapter 2, 
let's just go there real quick. Let's just go to Ephesians chapter 2 right fast. And let's talk about our slavery and talk about what it looks like to be a slave of sin and to need redemption. Ephesians chapter 2, and in my whole time preaching, I've probably preached Ephesians chapter 2 more than I've preached anything ever. It's a wonderful chapter, um, especially once you get to verse 4. But verses 1 through 3 come first. And verse, uh, verse 1, it starts out, chapter 2 of Ephesians, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. When? When? What did you say? And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Word. Yeah. A win? Well, right. Well, here, here, <laughs> verse two. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. He calls the, the, the disobedient people, he calls them the sons of disobedience. It's, what did Jesus say to these Jews that were questioning him, that said, I've never been enslaved to any man? He said, you are of your father, the devil. He is a liar, and he has been a liar since the beginning. They're the sons of disobedience. Among whom also we had our, we all, all of us, this is a universal problem. I'm not excluded. You're not excluded. Your neighbor's not excluded. This is a universal problem. Of whom, among whom also we all had our conversation, again, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind, and were by nature of children of wrath, even as the others. This is, this is so important, and this is exactly what Jesus is saying to these blind Jews in uh, chapter 8 of John he says uh, the, the, what, he who sinneth is the servant of sin and that's the same thing that Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 2 you were fulfilling the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even of the others. And we, we think, well, I, you know, I was just doing what I wanted to do. I was living it up. I was having fun. I was just fine before somebody came along and put all these rules and regulations in place. And now they're telling me that I can't do what I love to do. Um, and, and that seems oppressive. But it doesn't seem... But it doesn't seem oppressive to Paul because what does he say is the answer to, what, to the pattern which we're all walking after, fulfilling our own lust, fulfilling the desires of the mind and of the flesh. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us, made us alive. I don't know how many of you are reading the King James, but I think the, um, how, how did the ESV word that, Mike? Made us alive, yeah. So, uh, whom he has quickened, or made alive, we were made alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. This grace that appears to us does not give us the okay to say that, well, yes, I know I'm a sinner. 
I'm doing those things which only please my flesh, and I know they displease God, but I'm under grace. No. As you were before. And, and I'm getting there. Good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. Don't no. let me get ahead of you. No, no, I, I'm, def I'm definitely getting there. Good. Because Good. that is, that. well, that's the, that's the next step here. Um, he doesn't say that, yeah, you were dead, and you're going to remain dead, and you just have no control over anything. No, he says... But God, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us. He's made us alive. And he has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might choose at the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For grace, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see, the way that Paul's speaking here, Jesus hasn't saved us and left us in the condition that he found us. He hasn't left us as servants to sin, but he has freed us from that condition. But yet, born-again Christians... Ten, some born-again Christians, not all, but some born-again Christians, tend to live like they have to lose to the flesh every single time. Because, you know, you know, you name it. Put, you know, your ex there and whatever your excuse is, that's, that, you know, that, we, I, well, yeah, I'm a sinner. I do this. I couldn't help it, or you know, uh, God made me this way, or you know, or I'm you know I'm just not ready to give that up, or you know I don't know why I've got to do it that way because I just feel, and they don't even realize that that's slavery. A, a Christian surely and absolutely can sin. Absolutely can sin, but. A Christian cannot and will not live in sin because the Spirit of Christ lives in you. You've received the Spirit of adoption. You are no longer a slave to your sin. You are a servant of Christ. You are a child of God. You have been delivered. You have been redeemed out of this bondage. The Lord your God has delivered you from the house of bondage. This, the, the, the bondage of the people in Israel, or, or the bondage of the people of Israel in Egypt was a picture, a type of mankind's enslavement to sin prior to Christ. And Christ, the rock that followed them, came and redeemed them out of the bondage in Israel. And he has come for that purpose, Matthew 121. To save his people from our sins. Deliver us out of this house of bondage. Out of being slaves to the flesh. Slaves to our desires. He has delivered us. But whoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So when we talk about freedom. Because that's where he goes next. Freedom. And that the servant abideth not forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore... You're back in John 8. Yeah, back in John 8. Sorry. That, that, that's, where, uh, that's where Jesus goes with this. It's the same place that Paul goes, by the way. But if the son, if the son therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. The problem with so many is they think that freedom is to do 
the will of the flesh. That's what it means to be free, to do the will of the flesh and not have to answer to anybody for what I do. And at one time, when I was a young Christian, when I, when I, and I first heard the gospel of grace, I, I had that misconception too. It, it truly, I understand how people come to that uh, misconception. But if you continue in that misconception, I'm worried about the state of your soul because of what Jesus said. If the Son shall make you free, then ye, then ye shall be free indeed. When we, when we sin, we are not, that is not the greatest and best expression of freedom. That is the greatest and best expression of slavery. And we don't understand that. And that's, that's the problem is we have an unbiblical view of what sin is. We want to uh, tip our hat towards it. We want to outwardly acknowledge it. We know that sin is bad. But we also hear the phrase over, at least I've heard it over and over again. Well, you know, I have freedom in Christ. I have Christian liberty. I am set at liberty to do whatever because I have been made free. But the problem is they are under a misunderstanding of what it means to be free. Because if you see a person throwing up the flag of Christian liberty and using it as a license to sin, they are more enslaved than they were before they thought they had Christian liberty. I just want to read uh, real quick from the uh, 1689 on Christian liberty, if I can get there. I think it's chapter 21. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I won't do too much longer. Um, practice any sin or cherish any sinful lust as they do thereby pervert the main design of grace of the grace of the gospel to their own destruction so wholly they destroy the end of Christian liberty which is that being delivered out of the hands of all our enemies we might serve the Lord without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives that as Christian liberty. We have been delivered out of the hands of all of our enemies. Sin is your enemy. Sin is not your friend. Sin doesn't want to make you comfortable. Sin doesn't want to make you happy. It might make you happy at the time, but hear this. Sin wants to kill you. And I don't mean to speak of sin as though it were a person. Sin is not a person. Sin is not a created being. Sin is the transgression of God's law. But your flesh, left to its own devices, would have you make decisions that will either kill you physically or separate you from God eternally. Because that's what the, you know, the flesh is set at enmity with God. It is the enemy of God. The flesh doesn't want anything to do with God. Romans 1 says that the natural man doesn't want God in his thinking, doesn't want God in his knowledge. He wants to go his own way. And so that's why they wrote in here that this was a problem even back then, even back in uh, 1677 when this thing was written. It was a problem. People were using this 
Christian liberty to say, well, I'm free, I'm doing what I want, I'm free in Christ, I'm redeemed, hallelujah, but I can still go out and sin all I want because, you know, by grace I've been saved. And if it's grace, it's not of works, it's not what I've done, it's what Christ's done. Romans 6, 1. Yeah, Romans, yeah. You can't. God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that have died to sin live any more therein? He says, if the Son will set you free, ye shall be free indeed. That is free from sin, not free to sin. Yes. We are never given license, permission, the go-ahead to act upon our flesh. Anytime your flesh comes up, rears its head, and says, hey, this would be okay if we done this, you know. Well, you know, yeah, I, well, yeah, we, we know the Word of God says that's a sin, but, I mean, you're, you're saved by grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. And uh, so you, you can commit that, and you've got Christian liberty to do that. Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, God forbid. Don't say that. You can't use that as an excuse. Scripture doesn't give us that excuse. Scripture does not give us that excuse. Why? Because if the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. How inconsistent is it with grace to remain in bondage to the sin that Christ sets you free from? That is inconsistent. That is inconsistent with grace. Grace doesn't say that sin is okay. Grace doesn't make sin okay. Grace what grace does is it frees you from sin. It frees you, not only does it free you from sin, but it frees you to something. It frees you unto obedience. Without fear. We have no fear in Christ. We can obey and we can run after him with all our heart. And if we fall in the race to obey him, we have grace for that failing. But so many people use that the other way around and they say, well, I have grace and I just keep falling into this sin, but I have grace, so it's okay. No, it's not. It's not that sin is your enemy, that sin wants to enslave you, that sin wants to rob you of your freedom. And it will if you submit to it. And you don't have to. Because if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have to I don't have notes. Okay. <laughs> but no, I probably I mean we could go there, yeah. I just want to read the one verse. Yeah. Yeah, if we keep on sinning after we've come to the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So, if, if we continue to live like we're in slavery, or if we continue to live in the slavery of sin, under the guise that we have been set free, and we know the way out, we know that Christ is the only hope. If the Son should set you free, you shall be free indeed. And if we ignore that and continue to, live, continue to live in the passions and the lust of our flesh, you will die. Romans, uh, that, Romans 8, 14. Let, let's turn there real fast. Romans 8, 14. Yeah, that was 1026. Yeah, 1026, yeah. Romans 8, 14. Or, wait, not 14. 13. For if you live after... Well, let's read 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body... Ye shall live. 
We can live by the Spirit. We can, by the Spirit, with the Spirit's help. Nobody is talking about doing this thing alone. Amen. You are a Christian. Amen. You are Amen. redeemed. You claim to be Christian. You claim to be redeemed. Therefore, if you are redeemed, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, empowering you to do this. So, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Son abides forever. We are not left without help. Nobody, and that's, that's the biggest, uh, that's the biggest thing that comes up when we talk to people about this. And, and you know, not just, uh, not just this morning, I guess, I guess I'll give that a little bit away, but uh, not, not just this morning, but any time I talk to people about this, well, so am I just, I can't do this alone. Nobody, nobody is asking you. To mortify the deeds of the body alone. You have the Spirit of God. You have everything you need to mortify the deeds of the flesh. God has given them to you in Christ by the Holy Spirit. You can mortify the deeds of the flesh so that you can live. Why? Why don't we get that this is... This is written for our good. This is not uh, that First uh, John five, where he says, um, "By this we love, we know that we love God, that we keep His commandments, and they are not burdensome." Uh, how burdensome is it if your parents say, "Hey, I love you. I don't want you to burn your hands. Quit playing around that stove." Uh, well. My, you know, those mean old parents used to let me go over and stick my hand in that fire on that burning log and burn myself. How, how cruel of them, right? And I'm sure, you know, the kids in the room can attest that they've done some stuff their parents told them not to do and they've wound up hurt. It's happened. It, it, oh, it generally, as a rule of thumb, it always happens that way. It's that way with sin. Why has God made it... Out, you know, out of bounds, at, outside the boundaries of what we're supposed to do. Because it's not good for us. And if you live according to the flesh, Romans 8, 13, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Christ is, has given us the way to life through the new and living way, through his flesh. And he has shown us the way by the way that he walked. And he has left us instruction in his word to do, to walk by the Spirit, to put to deed by the Spirit. Notice that, by the Spirit, not on your own. By the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body so that you may live. This is man's problem. He doesn't see. But for the life of me, I will never understand how we can proclaim Christ, proclaim His saving grace, proclaim that He came to set us free from sin, and then live as though we don't have an option but to succumb to it. We do have an option. We have the Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have the communion of the saints. We have each other. We have Christ. We have everything that we need to succeed in this life. And I'm telling you, if what I'm saying about putting to death the deeds of the flesh, about obeying the commands of Christ, seems oppressive to you, you are in the same situation that these Jews are. I'm not calling into question your salvation. I'm not trying to make you doubt God's grace for you. But the problem is that you don't know what your problem is. You have not fully come to grapple with the fact that you are enslaved to sin. 
and that does not give you an excuse to stay there. Run to Christ for grace. But Titus 2 says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and the passions of the flesh. Run to Christ for grace, but let grace teach you. We must submit to Christ because following the commandments and walking after Christ and living a holistic, by holistic I mean seven day a week, 24 hour Christianity is freedom. It's not slavery. The, the, the commandments of God are not a yoke. What did Jesus say? He said, take my yoke upon yourself. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is rest in Christ, but you will never rest when you're bound to your sin. We must, that Hebrew, or, uh, is that Hebrews 12, Laying aside every weight yeah, and sin, yeah, yeah. Laying aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, yes. and running with endurance the race. Yes. Yes. But we must lay this aside. We must see our slavery to sin. We must treat sin as though it is slavery. Not understand why, I, not look at it as. Why do I have to give this thing up to follow Jesus? But trust that God, your Father, knows what these things bring. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth what? Death. Death. These things are set against you. They want to keep you in chains, and they want to kill you. And I can't understand for the life of me what anybody who knows the way, would not lay these things aside and follow after Christ and be as free as he has set you free to be. We must do these things. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll read, I will read this and then I'll share a few closing thoughts and we will close. Joel Beakey in the Reformation Heritage Study Bible in his commentary on John 8 verses 34 through 36 says verily, verily uh, oh, sorry um, a lifestyle of unrepentant sin reveals a heart enslaved to sin a, life, yeah, a lifestyle of unrepentant sin Walking in the sin and not repenting of it. And worse, not seeing that it is something that needs repented of. Reveals a heart that is still enslaved to sin. And if you're still enslaved to sin, Christ hasn't made you free. Christ doesn't come in parts. We can't have Christ as Savior and not have him as Lord. We can't. He is our Savior. But he demands us to walk after him. He demands our obedience. And if you are free, you are free from your sin. And if you are not free from your sin, now I'm not saying that if you ever catch yourself slipping into sin, that you're not saved. But what I am saying is that a pattern lifestyle of unrepentant sin is not God's will for your life. That's right, right. Now, the fact that I have to say that, it seems crazy. But I have had conversations with some, I think, well-intentioned people that have said that to me. Well, God just ain't come down and, you know, made me rid of this yet, so it must be his will for my life. And they try to say that Paul's thorn in the flesh was a sin that he was dealing with. And it was the will of God that God didn't take it away from him. And I say that's an impossible interpretation 
because um, we know that the will of God is that we abstain from the lust of the flesh, right? Yeah, God tempts. We know that that's impossible. So I I have heard that that um, you know that well I I guess it's just the will of God, but they don't realize their responsibility. And what's worse, I don't think they understand their slavery. They have made peace with their sin. I was talking to Pastor Kevin as I was, you know, the other day, I was thinking about this and thinking about a lot of other issues, and I can think of a time in my life where I really thought that. Well, if God wanted me to be this way, he'd just come down here and make me this way. So if I'm this way, it must be the will of God for my life. He didn't make me that way. Amen. No, he didn't. It was sin in me, and I was enslaved to my sin. And God help us if we are enslaved to our sin. And we say, well, God, it's on you. If you wanted me to be free from this thing, you'd come down here and make me free. But if you're in Christ, he has made you free. And you have every resource needed available at your disposal to put this thing to death. So if you are struggling against sin, or if you are struggling, Let's say if you are not struggling against sin and you have been convicted of a sin that's in your heart that you are inwardly cherishing or holding on to and withholding from God, I want you to examine yourself in light of the scripture, in light of what I've shared here tonight, and repent. As Kevin said this morning, that's the only prescription we are ever given for sin in scripture is to repent of it. Never hold on to it. Never to cherish it. Never to just not worry about it because we're saved by grace. But we are told to repent. Sin needs repented of. And you have been given, if ye indeed be in Christ, have been given everything you need to reveal the sin in your life and to remove the sin in your life. You have a way out. This should be for you, Christian, not a message of condemnation, but a message of hope. You can be free. We're not enslaving you to rules. We're telling you, you can be free from your condemnation. You can be free from the sin that wants to kill you. You can be free from the sin that wants to enslave you for the rest of your life you know, with your head held down in defeat because I just have this sin and I can't do it alone. We're not asking you to do it alone. I'm not telling you to do it alone. There is grace. There is much grace in Christ. And if you are forgiven in Christ, you are forgiven. But he has made you free to walk in newness of life. Let's close. Gracious Father, Lord, I pray through my many weaknesses and my failings and my shortcomings, Father, that you would use this message to correct and to reprove your saints, your wayward sons, Father, as you discipline and you chasten us, Lord, who you love. We pray, Father, that there would be repentance in the house of God, followed by great rejoicing in the winning of our brothers. Father, we pray for conviction where conviction is needed. We pray for strength where strength is needed. We pray for comfort where comfort is needed. We pray that the truth of the word, we pray that the truth that Jesus laid out before the Jews would come full circle in someone's life tonight. That they would come to grapple with the fact that they are in slavery and they would cry out, Jesus, help me. That they would know that if the Son were to make them free, they would be free indeed from all their sin eternally. Father God, we know that you sent your Son, Christ, into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be 
might be saved. And you called his name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. From the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day, one glorious day, from his very presence. Father God, we thank you in Christ that you have made us free to follow you, to run after you with no fear of condemnation. Romans 8 and 1, there is no condemnation, therefore, for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Lord God, I just pray that you would open eyes and ears and hearts, deal with hardness and stubbornness of heart, deal with unrepentance mightily, Lord, for salvation's sake, Lord, for Christ's sake. Lord, by your grace, teach us what we know not. Make us what we are not. For Christ's sake we pray, and in his name.